for most things in life that you do, it, it uh, requires some level of confidence. Larry and Joanne every year put together the clothing exchange and they have confidence that we're going to have an awful lot of people come and get clothes. So yesterday morning there were 75 people out here before they started. Like they were lined up in our parking lot, 75 people ready to go in. They came in, Joanne kind of gave them some instructions. She said they were orderly as opposed to last year. (laughs) They were orderly, did a great job of getting clothes and we had a number of people who uh, helped with that. There were very, clo- clo- very few clothes left at the end of the day. So if you uh, assisted with that, we just want to say thank you very much. Why don't we show them our appreciation uh, for those who helped out with the clothing exchange. We're just so grateful that we're able to minister to the people in our area the way that we are. We had a number of homeless people that were here yesterday in addition to those who were just in need of clothing. And so glad that they came and were able to get some of the things that they need. Well, it does take, take some confidence on Joanne's part for her to put all that together and, uh, and carry it off. There are other things that it takes some confidence for. I remember when I was uh, very young in ministry, we had uh, at the church where I was a youth minister, we had a chorus And so we'd have 35 people or so on Sunday morning that would oftentimes present a song to the church. And so I was uh, part of this chorus, and I'd never done a solo or anything, and the choral director came to me and said, I got this song, we want you to, you know, it's just a couple of lines here, we want you to sing uh, a solo. And so, you know, I wasn't very confident about that, and we worked on it quite a bit, and I kept messing it up in practice because I kept forgetting the words. I was just so nervous, you know, having to sing in front of people by myself, and so we sang this song, we're singing along and it's going great and all of a sudden it's time for my solo and I'm ready to sing and I'm ready to go and there's just nothing there. And and the reason why is because I'd completely forgotten the words. You know, just the tension of the moment, all the the pressure on me at that, I just couldn't remember the words. So I'm ready to sing and there's just nothing and the, the choir had stopped singing and so everybody's just dead quiet. The only thing that saved me was that at the same moment, the exact same moment, that I was standing like this with nothing coming out, the church secretary came through the back door. Robin was like eight months pregnant or something. And this church secretary comes through the back door at the same moment I'm ready to sing. And she's got this big sign. She knew I was doing this solo. And on the sign it says, Robin's in labor. And so when she came through the back door, everybody turns to see her come through the back door with the sign that says, Robin's in labor, just as I'm ready to sing. And they all think that I can't sing because I'm looking at the sign. Huh? And so I was totally saved. Nobody knew that I'd actually forgotten the words. But the reason I forgot the words is because I just had no confidence. I hadn't done that kind of thing before. I was nervous as could be and I just couldn't pull it off. I didn't get the job done. Well, there are other things that take confidence. You've seen these guys who get on type tight ropes and walk across Niagara Falls or something on a tightrope. Can you imagine what that would be like? Can you imagine what it would be like to go out and try and do that with no confidence whatsoever, thinking the whole time, I could fall to my death? That is the one thing they can't do. Everybody says, don't look down. Well, why would anybody look down? You look down because you're scared that you might fall. You want to see how far it is. So you don't look down. You have confidence. You look straight ahead and where you're going. Okay. And it's kind of like this. I've I've developed my own tightrope this morning. Okay. Now just think, about eight weeks ago, I practically fell to my death, okay? Eight weeks ago, I fell on the ice. I broke three ribs. I had a punctured lung. And so now, do I have any confidence to do this? 
And my wife is sitting here thinking he's going to do it again. I'm going to have to take him to the hospital. But no, because I have tons of confidence that I can get that done. See? Huh? And I did it way better in the first service, by the way. Um, but the only, the only thing that saved me there at the end was that I really got going. And that's what happens a lot of times, isn't it? Like if I go too slow and I'm worried about whether or not I can do it, I'm not going to make it. But if I'm confident, I just get out there and just do it, then I think I can make it. And I did. Don't try this at home, okay? There are some things that just do take some confidence One of the things that we have in Jesus Christ is confidence about what it is that Christ has done for us. But you know, I I find that an awful lot of Christians, and I'm not going to say that I haven't experienced this in my own life as well, a lot of Christians doubt their salvation. They doubt what it is that Jesus has done for them. And I think I know exactly why. The reason that we doubt what it is that Christ has done for us is because we find ourselves from time to time not doing what Christ wants us to do. And we've read some passages in the Bible that talk about what happens to those who don't do what God wants them to do. And so we get a little worried. It's not uncommon. People say, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. And they wonder, have my sins been forgiven? You know, is, is this sin that I just committed, is this the one that maybe puts me over the edge so that I don't make it? And of course, God wants from us a completely different perspective when it comes to our sin. And I know that because of passages like this. Look at these verses, or this verse. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, And what's the rest of this say, church? So that you may know that you have eternal life. John says that he writes his letter and that there are a number of things included in his letter for the specific purpose of making it clear to us that we know we have eternal life. And so if that's the case, I want to say to you today that if there's any question in your mind, there shouldn't be. Something has happened that has put us in a position so that we can actually know that we have eternal life. We don't have to sit and wonder. You don't have to be sitting out there thinking, but, oh, Kelly, you don't know what I do. You don't know what I've done. If you knew, you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't think that I could have confidence. But I'm thinking that John does know about sins. And I'm thinking that God does know who we are and about our sins. And he wants us to be confident. Now, we're not always still confident. Look at this passage. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence Whenever our hearts condemn us. This is interesting. We can know that we belong to the truth. And we can have our hearts set at rest in his presence. 
despite the fact that sometimes our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So you can, in fact, have confidence before God as long as your heart doesn't condemn you. Well, what is this talking about your heart condemns you? Well, I've taught this lesson a couple of times now already this week in life groups, or I've been part of of the teaching of it, I should say. And both times the question was asked, what is it that causes our hearts to condemn us? What is that all about? And both times quickly, last night night, uh, in life group it was Jacob Hansen, who quickly said, it's guilt. It's guilt. Our hearts condemn us because we feel guilty about what it is that we do. We sin. And right away we think, well, I'm, I'm sinful. God, what if he doesn't forgive me? And our hearts end up condemning us. Well, you know what happens when people get too guilty? They feel too guilty. People can go into depression because of guilt. There are people who have committed suicide because they felt so guilty about something that they have done. There are people who have had all their relationships end because of the guilt that they have felt about something that they have done. And the guilt of sin prevents us from having the kind of confidence before God that we need to have. Sometimes our hearts condemn us. And God doesn't want us there. Instead, he wants us to know. He wants us to understand that we can have salvation. So, how does the New Testament say we can have confidence before God? I want you to look in your Bibles at 1 John chapter 5, if you would. Turn there, please. 1 John chapter 5, and I want you to look at verse 9. 1 John chapter 5, verse 9 says, We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it's the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Anyone who believes in the Son has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. This is the claim that God makes. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then he goes on in the verse we've already read. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, those are important verses. They talk specifically about how it is that we can have confidence before God. And for people who... If you're like me, who sometimes think to yourself, oh no, what if this is the sin that I shouldn't have committed that's going to put me out? We need to understand that we can, in fact, have confidence before God because of our position in Jesus Christ. This says that those who believe in the Son of God have life. That means that if you believe today... If you've given your heart, belief is so much more, of course, than just mental assent. But if you give your heart to Jesus Christ, if you understand who Christ is and you've given your life to him, what do you have? Eternal life. 
It's yours. There's no sitting in the pew today thinking, but what if? No, there's no but what ifs. If you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, salvation is yours. And it doesn't matter that you just sinned a moment ago with that thought that you shouldn't have thought. Salvation is yours in Jesus. This is a promise to those who believe. So the first thing is, how does the New Testament say we can have confidence before God? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we have that relationship with Jesus, everything changes because of that relationship. The second thing is in 1 John chapter 3. So go back a page, a couple of chapters. 1 John chapter 3, and I want, I'm going to read here quite a bit. But beginning with verse 11. It says, this is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Don't be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Look at that line. We know we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not have love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Look at verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words, or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we have set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Do you see that? Why is it, then, church, how is, what's expressed in these verses, what does it say gives us confidence about who we are in Jesus Christ. Whether or not we love our brothers. It's specifically what it says. Now take note, it doesn't say here, if you don't love your brothers, you're not saved. That's not what it says. What it says is, is that when you do have love for your brothers, you can see in your life confidence. You will have in your life confidence, I should say. Because you look and say, I have love for my brothers. Well, let me ask you. Do you have love for your brothers? Do you love people because of your relationship with Jesus Christ? If there is something that's happened inside you, so that you can say, I do love people because I'm a Christian. Well, then if you do, the fact is, is that you have evidence and therefore confidence based in that evidence that your life is being changed by Jesus because you love one another. You can have confidence about the salvation you've received in Jesus because of your love for another. So number two, recognize in your life that love, the, the love you have for others, that will help give you confidence about who you are as you stand before God. Now, I have to admit, if you absolutely love nobody, you're going to have to ask some questions about whether or not you've been transformed by the grace of God. But if love is present in your life, something is taking place. Now, before I give you the third one, let me just say that I don't always like chapter divisions within the New Testament. The chapter divisions are not inspired. The text is inspired, the chapter, division, chapter divisions are not. The second half 
of verse 24 in 1 John chapter 3. Look at that. The second half of that verse, the last full sentence of verse 24, I think needs to go with chapter 4. And so I'm going to read it, and I want you to just read it kind of thinking in those terms. Okay, like this, these verses go right into chapter 4 as if there's no chapter division there. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Now, all of that stuff in there about Jesus being in the flesh, the reason he writes that is because there was a heresy going around in the early church called Gnosticism, which had a specific form called docetism. And what people said was, Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Instead, it was like a ghost. It was like a figure. But it wasn't really a bodily Jesus that died. And so John is treating that subject here as he's talking about the Spirit. But notice what he says in verse 4 as he really gets to the point. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Well, who is the one that is in you who is greater than the one who is in the world? The Spirit. God has given us his spirit so that we can have confidence in him that indeed we have overcome the one who's in the world. Well, the one who's in the world is the prowling lion, the prince and the powers of the air that control this world, Satan. But he specifically says that we don't have to be controlled by that one because there's one who is within us who is more powerful. He's overcome. And because he's overcome the world, we've overcome the world. And the Spirit lives within us, enabling us to triumph over sin because of the Spirit's presence within us. Well, look again back up at chapter 3, verse 24, in that second half there as it moves into chapter 4. Look at that sentence. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. There's a testimony, an interior testimony by the Holy Spirit telling me about the relationship that I have with God. Look at this passage. We know that we live in him and he in us, that should be in, because he has given us of his spirit. Do you see that? We know that we live in him because he is in us, because he has given us of his spirit. Well, that tells me something about who I am as I stand before God. Because he has given me his spirit. And I can know then that I live in him as apart from him. Now look at this one. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father, we know we have a special relationship with God because his spirit lives within us. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Do you see the testimony here that the spirit is making within us concerning who we are? 
what is our relationship with God? Well, it's a special one, one of father and child relationship. And this is where I stand. There's not some doubt here. I don't have to worry about whether or not one moment I'm in and one moment I'm out because of my sin. We can have confidence, he says, in him because of my relationship through the Spirit. The Spirit testifies with my spirit that I have this special relationship with God. And so the third thing, because of his Spirit, whom God has placed within us, that gives me confidence before God concerning where I stand. So in addition to our belief in Christ and the testimony that it is in our lives, in addition to the love for others that we can see developing in our lives that serves as Christian obedience, there is an inner testimony of the Spirit. And the Spirit himself testifies to us that we are God's children. You might remember last week when Michael was preaching that he talked about how Jesus himself said, unless I go, unless I go, the Holy Spirit won't come. And so Jesus actually wanted, Jesus wanted to go and be gone and separate from us in some way so that he could have the Holy Spirit come and live within us. Unless I go, he won't come, but he has to come. Why does the Spirit have to come? Why is Jesus so concerned to make sure that the Spirit comes? It's so that he can come and live within us. And one reason is to give us this kind of confidence before God about our salvation. And so he is constantly reminding us of the forgiveness that we have received in Jesus And so we can have confidence before him, even if our fleshly hearts condemn us. And so right at the moment when you're feeling guilty and thinking, oh no, I've done it again. The spirit wants to testify to you right at that point about the forgiveness that we have received in Jesus so that we can have confidence again before him. Now, this confidence is not insignificant. Confidence, it says, enables us to pray with boldness so that we can be sure of the things that we ask about. Confidence allows us to speak on his behalf to others, sure that we're not speaking by ourselves. Confidence allows us to take risks for him, not worried about the consequences because he who is faithful is in you and is greater than he who is in the world. But most of all, confidence allows us to overcome the paralyzing guilt that we sometimes feel because of our sin. And it is a tragedy. It's a tragedy when Christians hold back from serving because they feel guilty. It's a tragedy when Christians hold back from having full relationships with each other because they feel guilty. It's a tragedy whenever guilt is so present in the life of a Christian that he or she feels debilitated, not able to move, feeling unworthy, feeling sinful. God can't use me. I can't make progress. I can't overcome who I am. 
And the promise is, is that you don't have to overcome anything. God did that in Christ. And so, of course, you can live better in him. Of course, you can be his effective servant. It's time for us to believe what it is that God has blessed us with. Rather than being debilitated by our guilt, overcome through the presence and the testimony of the Spirit, our sin, and allow God to work within us. And then on top of all that, he's the one who gives you the strength to actually not sin. And so when you do sin, you're forgiven, and the Spirit reminds you constantly of the fact that you are, and then the Spirit also helps you not to sin. And it looks to me like it's all good news. We can't lose. We have the Spirit within us helping us to overcome sin in our lives, finally being what God wants us to be. That's just good news. The Spirit is great news for those who stand in Him. We rejoice today in that power and presence of the Spirit within us, enabling us to be all that God wants us to be. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would constantly take away from us guilt. Take away from us, Father, apprehension. Don't allow our hearts to condemn us. Instead, help us to have confidence in you, even despite the sins that we still commit. Allow your spirit to speak powerfully to our hearts and to just keep changing us and moving us forward in you. We pray these things for Jesus. Amen.